Greetings and welcome to our 10th episode of Soldier of Souls. We send out our best regards to the Catholic Churches of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. Henry's. And we also send out our heartfelt welcome to the additional soldiers from across the nation and now internationally who have joined our travels to find and stay on a path of, path of truth and wish all of you a joyous and blessed Easter season. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we trek together in this world so we can live eternally with God in the next. Just a reminder, if you are finding that traveling with us is useful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast with your family and friends. You are our only sales force, so don't be shy about spreading the word. Also today, be sure to listen till the very end of the podcast, because I'll be making a very special announcement that I'm sure you'll know that you want to hear. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, and we are now in the glorious Easter season, and it's time to celebrate the great saints. The first saint that we'll celebrate is Saint Bernadette of Lourdes, France, and she is one of my all-time favorite saints. This was a very tiny lady with a very strong spiritual backbone, whose life was filled with sanctity and holiness. Speaking of sanctity and holiness, there's an, an important announcement from the website of SaintBernadetteUSA.org. From April to August 2022, the relics of St. Bernadette would tour the United States for the first time, bringing the grace of Lourdes to parishes across the country. Here in the Birmingham area, they'll be at EWTN on April 30th and at the Cathedral of St. Paul on May 1st. If you are able to visit the relics, I am sure that you will be truly blessed. Now, as always, we begin with prayer, praying while our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, you may notice that with every podcast, we end with the Hail Mary. Since both Linda, my co-writer and editor, and I have a great devotion to our Holy Blessed Mother, and it seems appropriate that we would do a podcast on St. Bernadette. Now, some of you may not realize it, but St. Bernadette's feast day was just last Saturday, April the 16th. Most of us were so consecrated on Easter Sunday that we may have forgotten this. Now, I can talk for hours about St. Bernadette, about her young life, the 18 Marian apparitions, the struggles she had 
with the town and church officials, about her years in the convent, and so on. Presently, I'm reading the book about her that's about 600 pages long. However, I've decided to keep this relatively short, and hopefully, it'll make you thirst more to learn more about St. Bernadette and about our Blessed Mother Mary. So today, I'm going to tell you a story. A story of a great, simple, and humble saint who was blessed to be visited by our Blessed Mother 18 times. Let's close our eyes and go back in time to the mid-1800s. In the middle of the French Pyrenees Mountains, located on the border of France and Spain, the town of Lourdes, itself very old, and situated in one of the most picturesque parts of France, lying in the extreme southwest part near the Spanish border, where the Pyrenees Mountains rise sharply above the plains. Now, Lourdes is a small town at that time, roughly only about 4,000 people. St. Bernadette Subaru was born in Lourdes on January the 7th, 1844, and she was the first child of Francois and Louise Subaru. Her parents were very, very poor, and she was the first of nine children and was baptized at St. Pierre's, the local parish church, on January the 9th. Now, Bernadette had a very difficult life. It was not an easy one. She was born in a poverty-stricken home, getting infected by the cholera epidemic, which was widespread at the time. She suffered from asthma all of her life. She coughed constantly, sometimes making it very difficult for her to breathe. And her poverty can also be attributed to the primary reason of her always being fragile and a sickly child. She lost several of her siblings at a very young age. Some died at birth, some others shortly after birth. And so being through trying times, Bernadette devoted herself to a higher cause. And this gave her the grit that served as an inspiration to many. Now, at 14 years of age, she stood only 1.4 meters tall. Now, those of you that are metrically challenged, this is 4 feet 7 inches tall. That's pretty short. She was seemingly a tiny, insignificant person. She was known as a fortuitous, though dull student, who had not even made her first Holy Communion. She always carried a rosary and was very devout. But due to her frequent illnesses, she was not very well educated. But that being insignificant was about to change. It was a very cold day on February the 11th, 1858, the day that was about to mark the beginning of such an extraordinary chain of events at the rock of Bezabiel, when Bernadette returned from school and her mother gave her permission to go down by the river to pick up driftwood from fallen branches. Tonette 
Marie, age 9, and Marie Abadi, age 12, a neighbor's child, went with her. When the three girls reached Massabiel, the two younger ones took off their wooden shoes to wade across the icy mill stream here joined at the river. Now, can you imagine wearing wooden shoes? Her companions skipped over the stones over to cross the river Gob to gather sticks for fuel in the grotto of Massabiel. Hesitant about wading in the cold water, the asthmatic Bernadette sat on a rock when a sudden gust of wind made her look up. Now here are Bernadette's words of the first vision. I came back towards the grotto and started taking off my stockings. I had, har I had hardly taken off the first stocking when I heard a sound like a gust of wind. Then I turned my head toward the meadow. I saw the trees quite still. I went on taking off my stockings. I heard the same sound again. As I raised my head to look at the grotto, I saw a lady dressed in white, wearing a white dress, a blue girdle, and a yellow rose on each foot, the same color as the chain of a rosary. The bees of the rosary were white. Bernadette began to pray the rosary and to quote Bernadette's own account. The lady let me pray alone. She passed the beads of the rosary between her fingers, but said nothing. Only at the end of each decade did she say the Gloria with me. When the recitation was finished, the lady vanished into the cave and a golden mist disappeared with her. This experience affected Bernadette so powerfully that when the other girls turned back to look at her, she was still kneeling, a rapt, faraway look on her face. They child her, thinking she had passed the time praying to escape the task of gathering fuel. Then tying up their twigs and branches into bundles, they started home. But Bernadette was still full of the vision, and she began to burst out this wonderful story, and she told both girls about it but she told both girls to keep it a secret. She didn't want the girls to tell anybody once they got home. But Toinette told Madame Subaru that same evening, and soon the word spread further. Bernadette wished to go back to Mesabiel the next day, but her mom refused to give her permission. She did not want her to go back to Mesabiel now, usually Bernadette was very obedient to her mother, and she obeyed her heavy wish. But in this instant, Bernadette felt this inner drive to compel to return. She wanted to return back to the grotto to see the lady in white. So after Mass on Sunday, she found herself on her way back to the grotto, where she once again experienced a vision of the lady in white. Then Thursday, February 18th, she made her way again for a third time. This time she was accompanied by a few grown-ups who advised her to take a pen and paper. This was the first time that the lady spoke to her. The lady said it would not be necessary to write anything down. 
But if she would do her a favor, the favor of coming here for the next fortnight. It was also on his visit that the lady said to Bernadette, she could not promise to make me happy in this world, only in the next. Bernadette's story caused a sensation with the townspeople, who were very divided on their opinions whether or not she was actually telling the truth. Some believed she had a mental illness and demanded that she be put into, a, into an asylum. The other contents of Bernadette's reported visions were simple and focused on a need for prayer and penance. On the 25th of February, she explained that the vision told her to drink of the water of the spring and to wash in it and eat the herb that grew there as an act of penance. To everyone's surprise, the next day the grotto was no longer muddy, but clear water flowed. On the 2nd of March, at the 13th of the alleged apparitions, Bernadette told her family that the lady said that a chapel should be built and a procession formed. After the fortnight had passed on March 25th, the Feast of the Annunciation, Bernadette got up very early that day, about 4 a.m., and she started for the grotto about dawn, along with her family. When the vision appeared to her, Bernadette said, Would you kindly tell me who you are? When the girl had repeated the question twice more, the lady replied, I am the Immaculate Conception. I want a chapel here. This was four years after the definition of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Now Bernadette, not wanting to forget the name, repeated it over and over again until she reached Monsignor Peramel because she had never heard the name Immaculate Conception and didn't know what it meant. According to Peter Gong, writing in his series, Lourdes on GoodCatholic.com, Bernadette did not understand the words. This illiterate, poorly catechized peasant girl had never heard of the Immaculate Conception and did not know what it meant. But at last, Bernadette had a name from the lady. She might not understand the name's meaning, but perhaps her pastor, Monsignor Palomel, would understand it or at least find it a significant answer to his question. Bernadette left the grotto and went straight to St. Peter's Church. The whole way there, she repeated to herself the same words that the lady had spoken. The words which to her meant nothing. When Bernadette told Monsignor Palomel the words the lady, the priest, understood at once. He had been keeping Bernadette at arm's length, waiting for some sign, some assurance that he would not be doing a disservice to the church by accepting this young woman that had already impressed him with her determination and humility. But now, with these words, he knew who the lady was. Now this changed everything. Now he believed her. 
her own parish priest now believed her. Bernadette shared what had happened, nothing more, nothing less, about the 18 times in six months that she saw the lady. When investigators changed her words or tried to add to them, she corrected them. When they asked what it meant when Our Lady said, I am the Immaculate Conception, she said it was not her responsibility to explain these things, only to share the message. Why is this important? Now we'll take a little side trip. The dogma of the Immaculate Conception states that Mary was conceived in her mother's womb without the stain of original sin upon her soul. Pope Pius Deus. We declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the most blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of her conception, by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God and therefore to be believed firmly and consistently by all the faithful. Again, Peter Gong says, with all this in mind, we can now see the weight of Our Lady's words, I am the Immaculate Conception. Not only do these words confirm the identity of the Lady as Mary, the Blessed Virgin and Mother of God, but they also link the events at Lourdes to Pius IX's recent proclamation and the spreading of the doctrine itself. In addition, the apparition of Lourdes helps to show us the ultimate purpose of the study of theology and the disputations of the, on the nature of God and the articulation of doctrine. The purpose of all these things is relationship. Mary did not come to Lourdes to weigh in on doctrine, saying, yes, I was conceived without original sin, and thank you for giving solid catechesis. She came to tell us who she is. The question why this little girl who suffered greatly in a little village in the mountains of France was chosen to convey this message. St. Bernadette was a simple, humble girl who understood suffering. She understood the will of God. She understood the strength of the rosary. And of course, like all of us, she was not perfect by any means. We don't need the question why. We just need to know that she was chosen by God to relay this message throughout the world. Now, back to our story of Bernadette. The 17th apparition took place on April 7th, and the final one more than three months later on July 16th, 1858. By that time, the grotto, which the people were trying to make into a sanctuary and a place of worship, had been barricaded by the town's authorities to discourage worshipers and curiosity seekers from congregating there. During the 21 years that she remained on earth, Bernadette never again saw the vision.
the accounts of what she had seen and heard, which she was obliged to repeat so often, never varied in any significant detail. Now, in the meantime, Bernadette decided she didn't like all this attention. She did not like people crowding around her and asking her things and went to the hospice school run by the Sister of Charity in Navarre's, where she was taught to read and write. Though she considered joining the Carmelites, her health was way too fragile. On July 29, 1866, Bernadette took the religious habit of a postulate and joined the Sisters of Charity at their mother house of Navarre's. Our mistress of novices was Sister Marie Therese Bazouz and mother, the mother superior at the time and named her Marie Bernard in honor of her grandmother. Bernadette spent the rest of her life there working as an infirmary assistant and later as a sacristan. People admired her humility and her spirit of sacrifice. Once a nun asked her if she had temptations of pride because she was favored by the Blessed Mother. How can I? She replied quickly. The Blessed Virgin chose me only because I was the most ignorant. Unfortunately, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis of the bone in her right knee and was unable to take part in convent life. She died in the Holy Cross Infirmary in the convent of St. Gildard at age 35 on April 16, 1879, while praying the Holy Rosary. Even on her deathbed, Bernadette suffered severe pain. Keeping with the Virgin Mary admonition of penance, 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 she proclaimed, all this is good for heaven. Bernadette's last words were, Blessed Mary, Mother of God, pray for me, a poor sinner, a poor sinner. Following the events of the apparitions, a papal investigation was founded. After long deliberation and careful examination of the evidence, it was declared that the visions of the Virgin Mary really did occur at the Grotto of Lourdes. St. Bernadette received beatification in 1925 and canonization in 1933 under Pope Pius XI. On December 8, 1933, which is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And she was chosen not for her apparitions, but for the way in which she responded to that grace, and not so much for the content of her visions, but rather for her simplicity and holiness of life. So let us pray to St. Bernadette as we pray the Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Now for the announcement that I mentioned at the first of the episode. Tomorrow, I'll be having surgery. It's nothing life-threatening, but will involve taking a medical leave for about three months in order to rehab and to regain my full functioning. But we didn't want to have souls in our souls completely disappear for that length of time. So my co-writer and editor, Linda Hurley, has agreed to fill in for me and record a couple of podcasts for you, one in mid-May and the other one in mid-June. She hasn't exactly shared the content of those episodes with me, and I don't know what they're going to be, but I'm betting that one in May will focus on our Blessed Lady in some way. And on July 21st, we'll be back in our weekly schedule of releasing episodes every Thursday night. When we return, we'll be using a different format, one in which we hope will be lively and spontaneous with a bit of spice and fun thrown in with some interesting content. I look forward to the time that we'll be all back together again. For now, we wish all of you a joyous and blessed Easter season as we proclaim Alleluia, Alleluia. So, until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And remember Jesus' words, wide is the road to destruction. So we remind you, stay on the path, and we ask that St. Raphael, the Archangel of Travelers, God speed you on your sojourn.